Hello, welcome to Mark Langley's Horsemanship Podcast, a podcast helping people to understand their horses better, to provide solutions in a calm, connected way. I'm Jenny Barnes. And I'm Mark Langley. We've had a really interesting question come through from one of our online members, Tara, which raises several questions. She recently purchased a new seven-year-old mare who was sold to her as super quiet and suitable for beginners. Although Tara's had a few rides and there have been short good rides on her, she has recently bucked twice and the last one was a rear that was so high she fell over. She's a big 16-hand horse. So, Mark, I'd like to dedicate this podcast to and talking us through rearing and how we can address it. But first, let's really quickly address buying a horse. What would you recommend people uh, do when they buy a horse? Not necessarily look for, because it's a whole different area, but um, what should they be doing when they buy a horse? In- uh, well, yeah, I, I guess it could be a, you know, a whole podcast in itself with all the things to look for when buying a horse. But just a quick little brief yeah, that, that I'll explain to people when, when you go and buy a horse, especially, um, you know, in the question, you bought a quite bomb-proof horse. So I'm going to more structured on that, what what you should be expecting when you, you know, to see. When you're just about buy any horse, it can be ridden, but especially if someone stipulates that, you know, this is a quite bomb-proof horse, you know, because... If you bought a quite bomb-proof horse, you know you'd expect to be able to put put your kids on it, sort of thing, that sort of horse. And if it, if it, um, so basically, first of all, the first thing is if you, if you go and buy a horse, does it walk up to you? Does it engage with you? Is it okay with people? Is it just completely obedient? And or does and does it shut you out? That's the first thing I really look at. It, you know, does it freeze? Is it just standing there frozen? If I walk up and put my hand up. Is, is there some signals that the horse is kind of interested in, in, in sniffing, saying hello? Is it, is it okay around people? Uh, or is it just kind of standing in that obedient, sort of frozen, sort of looking state where the ears are still and the horse is quite still in general? Um, you know, it's a big red flag to me if, if the horse may cope with everything, girthed up, all that sort of thing, and, and the horse is standing like that. Um, but moving on, what I think you should see with a horse when, when, when you go and buy it is one, if I was going to buy a, a horse that was quite and bomb-proof, I want to turn up and the horse is fresh. It hadn't been ridden prior to me coming. I don't want to see the horse have to get lunged to be ridden. I don't want it to have to have a big warm-up. Um, I'd like the owner just to be able to get on it, girth it up, get on it, you know, even just lead it just a few metres or so, get it used to the girth if that's the case. I don't want to see a cold-backed horse. It you know, takes a while to get used to the girth and things like that because there's always other red flags and signals in there that there's tension. And, and without you know, looking at it myself, it could be a longer, a longer, a bigger amount of tension that you want to deal with. Um, and then when they get up and they ride it, can they just take it out the gate, open the gate, go out in the paddock, canter it around, you know, leave some other horses, gallop it up a hill and come back on a loose rein and ride it around? Um, or does that horse need to go and follow other horses? And if it's not following other horses, does it blow up? You've got to look at all those things. So, but technically, a bomb-proof horse that's easy to ride is one that you can go out and ride it, and you can do most things on it. And the horse can leave other horses; doesn't have to be with the other horses, all that sort of stuff. But you want to have seen that horse ridden outside in a big open area, and at least seen it going fast. Like I mean, fast. Like, and then come back reasonable through the reins. I mean, it might be a bit stiff in the reins and a few other things, but. You've got to at least see that horse come back on a loose rein and ride along pretty calm. If it's still bouncing from all the, you know, all the anxiety from being, you know, galloped fast, and that was only it on its own. Imagine it behind five horses. So 
you know, you want to see the horse pressed and ridden properly. And that's the biggest thing. I won't go into detail of everything, but I, I, I want people to go and at least see that. And if they get a chance to ride the horse with someone else, go for a ride, don't follow the other horse, go away from the other horse, come back to the other horse. And if there's any problems that the, the, the person selling the horse should have a very good explanation, not just some excuse. Um, so, yeah, some horses are used to following other horses on trail rides, and they'll do that all day long. But as soon as you take them away, they can, they can just explode because of their anxiety. That's not a bomb-proof horse that you can go and ride out on your own. So, you know, you've, you've got to just look at those things and, and um, really check that out and don't believe what anybody says uh, these days. I've seen too many horses at clinics that um, were just kind of shut down in an arena, sold as quiet, and they're, they're, there's just a can of worms inside them. So, so you've got to be really careful. You've, you've seen them pressed and on their own and things like that. Okay, wonderful. I can sense there's an awful lot in that question. Obviously, you've just skimmed that answer. So there'll be some nuggets in there that'll be helpful for people, but obviously there's a lot more to it. So um, if this is a question that people need a lot more information on, just leave us a comment and we'll realise that this is something that we need to respond to. So moving on then, so let's just sort of kind of assume that this horse um, is, was sold to her in the correct way, is super quiet, possibly suitable for beginners. Um, she's had a few sort of short rides on her. They went fine. So she can see that there's a lovely soft mare in there. She does comment that sometimes she can sort of get a little bit hormonal. Um, so I just want to ask Mark how you've got this new horse and you've been told that it's sort of a really super quiet horse. Would you just chuck a saddle on it and take it out and test it? Um, how would you approach that very first ride that you have with this horse? Is that the ride at home? Um, yes, at home. Yeah, when, when the horse comes home. Well, I'm a precautionary person. I, I've, I've been in enough wrecks over the years to kind of, even if it was sold as a bomb-proof horse, um, I would take it precautionary just in case. But in saying that, you should expect you should be able to get on that horse at home and, and ride it. Um, and some horses, they've got to cope with the fact that they're not at their own place and things like that, and there's a bit of anxiety there. But... The amount of education in the horse and riding should should it should be okay to get on and ride, but I wouldn't do that straight away. I would I would just go through a few few things with the horse before I do it. It could be just you know girth it up, check it when I girth it up, you know jog it up in a lead rope, even just sort of get it up to to even see it canter or something, you know just on a lunge or something just to see it sort of move, you know move move under pressure a little bit in the sense of you know going faster with the saddle on, and um, and then. And then, you know, if the horse is jogging, can I get it to trot up to me or and I can wave my hands around and walk beside it and pull on the saddle and things like that, make sure there's no sort of nervous ner nerves down the eye and things like that down the side of it. Um, and then, to, yeah, if I think the horse is moving pretty loose and happy with me beside it, then I'd get on and ride it. Okay, so there's so the you know there's a level of assessment that you're undertaking to just see how um, easy it's switching onto you, how easily it's switching onto its environment, how it's coping with all the stuff you've put on it. All of those can give you an indication of how well it's going to cope with you on top of it. Okay, so um, Tara's sort of said in her message as well that um, she's you know she can see that she's lovely and quite responsive, but she does have some bad manners. She mentioned one that was lip nipping. Is that potentially a red flag for some underlying anxiety or is that something that she just, you know, could be in a mare and she's hormonal, you know, bah, don't worry yeah. about it. Yeah, so, so lip nipping, uh, so I guess I guess what you mean by lip nipping, she's just doing that little bit of bop, 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 bop with her lips, like when they kind of nibble you with their lips. Now, lip nipping can be um, an expression of anxiety. It could be a communication 
in a horse too. Like you get young horses come and lip nip, and that lip nip uh, could foals. Yeah, yeah, foals, and then and and also you know some sort of geldings and cultis cults they'll come up and lip nip, and then that lip nip might turn into a nip nip, and that might turn into a play play, which you know snowballs into something else. So so it's it's a, it's a form of communication. Some some it's curiosity. If it's if the lip nipping's happening at certain times, you know when she's doing certain things, whether it be um, you know putting a saddle on and girthing, uh, whether it be certain times when the horse would sort of be tense and holding some anxiety, and that's when the lip nipping comes out, then um, then I would say it's a form of communication that there's some anxiety in there and she's lip nipping. Um, a lot of mouth things and head things, especially ones that are caused through anxiety usually happen when um, when the horse feels like it can't do something all for itself so it comes out through that communication in the head and sometimes you know when you're girthing that's why I teach people to belly rope their horses teach them to lead to a belly rope when you girth them they could be lip nipping and all things like that and and then maybe but if you taught them to sort of follow or feel forward with that belly rope and backwards and forwards and they start to move and think then all of a sudden they start to soften and as I say it becomes an alternative and they soften to, to girth pressure eventually. But so if it's just her coming up to you and lip nipping and just saying hello and, and doing something, maybe it's just her communicating and it doesn't necessarily mean it's anxiety. Um, but I'd say if it's certain things that are happening and she's feeling like she has to stand still or there's a feeling of learned helplessness in there and she's lip nipping, then, then, then it, it probably is um, more likely to be a communication of anxiety. Yes, because um, we've done previous podcasts before that Tara, you might not quite be familiar with, but um, Mark has mentioned before that if they uh, feel that they can't move, maybe they've been taught that, that they've got to stand still, or they're just not confident to do that, then they need to sort of express themselves in another way. And that's where it can come out. Mm. Is that right? So, that's right. okay. So you might, you could, you could maybe look at that on the subscription too, because it'll bring up some things for you. Um, so Tara said that she lunges beautifully and she is responsive, responsive to verbal cues. So what does that tell us about her as well? Uh, it's hard to say. If she re lunges beautifully, she lunges beautifully. Um, it, it depends on, on uh, if we're wearing rose-coloured glasses or not. So, you know, so Tara, I'm guessing, you know, you're analysing the horse and how she's lunging. Um, what I'm trying to work out is, is she lunging obediently or is she lunging softly? And that's the thing you've got to look at. You know, so lunging obediently means she can go off voice cues and she, she doesn't run off and she doesn't pull on the lead rope and she nearly does it at liberty. Um, is she adjustable? That's what I would say. Is um, So you might have a certain pattern that you're doing when you're lunging and voice cues are okay, but there's no feel in a voice cue. Uh, well, there is, you know. I'll give you an example. I'm going to whistle, and, and if I whistled my horse to a voice cue, so whistle could be come down or woo. So actually, I use the word woo. So woo has got a feel to it. So if I was wanting a horse to slow down, I could go woo until the horse stops. So I could woo the horse down into a stop. And that woo has almost the same feel as a rein would have, as in you're controlling the movement and the thought in a horse by the feel in the noise in the voice. But trot is like trot, 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 what trot? Slow trot, fast trot, medium trot. So do you go trot, and then you go big trot. So, so when we go walk trot canner, there's three 
three distinct things, but when you ask a horse to canter, say through a leg aid or a belly rope, you can kind of put a certain amount of feel in it and then you can put a bit more feel in it in the canter to get more canter. And then you can put a certain amount of feel in the rein to say a little bit, come back a little bit in a certain way, uh, but that'll do. Um, so, so the thing with the voice is you don't have the clarity in voice to um, create the intention and the emotional response in a horse. So you just get what you're given. So if I say trot, she'll give me a trot, but what trot did I want? I didn't want that trot. I wanted a soft emotional trot where the horse is kind of soft and trotting nice and softly. But if she goes into a medium sort of or rushy trot with a bit of anxiety, then what do you do? Do you reward the trot by letting it trot anxious or not? So there's no way of saying to a horse, can you trot really softly? Are you not ready yet? Come back with your voice. It's quite hard because the horses don't understand that many words and it'd be very hard to teach them that many words. So, so basically, um, she's going to give you the response of how she's feeling at that moment when you say walk, trot, canter on a lunge. So if she's feeling good, she might look good. If she's feeling bad, she'll just give you a bad trot, a bad canter because she's cued to canter at that verbal response. So a lot of horses that have been taught to work off verbal cues, I find tend to just do it how they offer it and, and, and there's not a lot of feel in it. So because she works off a verbal cue, it doesn't mean she's lunging badly or upset or she's carrying bad emotions. It's just what she's been taught. But what you've got to look at uh, is, is she adjustable. So going back to sort of how you assess if she's trotting very softly and connected with feel, because uh, I guess the problem going on to further into the problems you're having with her is a voice cue is not enough to stop a horse, to get a horse to follow a rein when you're desperate under the saddle to help them. So, so basically a voice cue is avoiding conflict with the, the rein and, uh, and if she's f frightened of the reins uh, and she's frightened of certain feel aids, then uh, it's very easy to, for a horse to respond to voice because there's no feel or pressure aid put on them. So, so I would start to go, well, actually, I want her to, to maybe lift up into a trot through the feel of the, the rein or the rope, push the rope up so she feels the rope and she goes up to trot and then she slows down through the feel of the rope so you can bring the rope back a little and she slows down and then she's actually responding to the feel of the rein opposed to just uh, 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 you know, through her ears. Okay, so it's not so much what she can do, it's what she can't do that, that we really need to look at. That's what's exactly right. So. A horse can be a liberty horse, but can it be a trail riding horse? Not necessarily if it's not um, used to responding to the things that we're going to use under saddle. So, um, so yeah, them. so yeah. she can do everything at voice, but doesn't mean she's going to do anything well uh, when you put pressure on her. Um, so you could get a lunge to a belly rope and suddenly put the belly rope feel on her and she bucks. You could put the inside rein on her and she braces up and fights it, you, you know. So... Um, sometimes horses have learnt to respond to the voice to avoid the feel and that's what you've got to look at. All right, so Tara and for anyone else that this is really relevant to um, and for people just interested in the psychology of horsemanship, this is really just giving you ideas of what you can be looking into. So uh, we need to mention pain really quickly. Um, it's just something we need to cover. Tara knows, um, you know, this could be an issue. She's going to get a chiropractor in is there any other specialist areas that maybe you could recommend she also potentially yeah, if, do? If she's, got, if she's got signs of, you know, you mentioned in there hormonal, definitely get um, her ovaries checked. You know, I come across a lot of horses. It wouldn't have been the thing when I grew up I ever thought about as twisted ovaries in mares, but 
you know, there's there's a lot of mares that have come to my clinics that have, you know, had twisted ovaries. So something to look at, you know, twisted ovaries. Um, so that's where you would you would need a proper examination, veterinary examination done um, to look into twisted ovaries. Uh, but I'm getting a lot of horses that uh, have various forms of, of stomach ulcers and that's a big thing. Even one horse that we sold that went through a lot of travelling and, you know, different things taking away from the herd and that, you know, uh, though she presented as a very um, a very sound-minded mare that can cope with a lot of different environments as, as she sort of presented on the outside and she still was engaging and, and still not, you know, she wasn't necessarily shut down, but she started to show signs of uh, different anxiety that, that, that I hadn't noticed before and or the owner, the new owner hadn't noticed. She got a test and she had she had uh, stomach ulcers. So and she was just coping with stress in a certain way. But it wasn't just stress. It would have been new pastures, new herd stress, human human stress through you know travelling and different things like that. All put together created enough uh, Which to get ulcers. Is actually what Tara's horse has gone through as well. So so there you go. That's another. Oh great, yeah. Great so if, if your through. horses had ulcers before, they don't just. If they, they don't just go away, you've got to, you know, keep... So so here's just a little thing that I'm encouraging people to do these days is um, if they're going to go and do a clinic, travel a horse for a long way and their horse has been known to have ulcers, put them on ulcer guard before the stressful experience because apparently that sort of keeps the chemicals right in the stomach or better for the horse. So when they go through a stressful period, they're more protected from the ulcers flaring up. So, you know, uh, a lady came to a clinic recently. She's had a mare that she's managing ulcers and she's got rid of them but before she does a clinic she, she makes sure she adds ulcer guard into the food just to sort of keep on you know to, to help the horse not get ulcers over that sort of say five or six day stress all right so assuming there's no pain there um and you know you're going through the checks of the saddle and that she's okay with the girth and there's sort of any areas of anxiety all big deal uh, huge area but assuming we've done all of that and we've got we're faced with this horse that can pop in a buck in or a rear. Um, and in Tara's case, you know, this huge rear and it's a big horse. How does she go about now training more effectively? Well, it's a hard one. Um, you know, it, it, like I said, everybody, I'd love to be there to watch every moment. I'd love to be there to watch the, 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 the lunging that you're doing and the ride of the owner when, when the owner rode the horse and things like that. But what I'm thinking is, and I get this a lot and, it, and, and, I, and I'm going to, maybe put like i don't like categorizing any, any everything but um i'm going to put you into the category of the horse that's been bought that's been kind of worked in a way that's kind of made it work within the boundaries of pressure they start to shut down a bit become quite obedient um they don't express themselves a lot because they sort of yeah as i say they're, they're within the boundaries of obedience which um and they're fed in a certain way worked in a certain environment that's kind of fairly uh, you know, like I've had plenty of horses that have been ridden in an arena and followed out and they've done hours of trail riding, but all they've ever done is followed the confidence of the other horses that they're going with, never asked any questions, never said back up for more than a metre, not met some not even backed up, but they've been quiet horses, but they've never actually been trapped within pressure as in the fact that when someone did trap them, they felt trapped as concerned because the horse shouldn't feel trapped when you pick up on the reins. But a lot of horses are ridden in a way that they're never actually asked to let go of that strong thought or, you know, let go of that, come over here, do this, do that. And then all of a sudden when they're 
on new pasture, they're, they've got more energy, more freedom to run around, express themselves, things like that. They're not in the stable environment, whatever the environment that they've come from that could shut them down too, like the horses that are kept in this kind of, you know, factory stable environment or yard environment, fed at certain times. It's just a robotic system. And then they go out into a paddock with another horse and they run around and they suddenly express themselves and then they come in as a whole new horse and it's a whole scenario that builds up where this suddenly expressive horse starts to show what it didn't understand, what it was anxious about and all that sort of thing. And then all of a sudden you're riding a horse, it's like, holy cow, what have I just, what have I just bought? Uh, and it, it only takes a few weeks. Um, so I'd say what's happening, there's a lot of that happening. And then you're sort of, you know, maybe look, watching some of my videos, you're saying, now I'm going to hold the reins until they let go of that thought and back up. And that horse goes, no one's ever held the reins for me to let go of a thought. I'm in a trap. I'm going to rear. Okay, so there's so much in there that's probably happening. Uh, I'll give you a little example, like uh, it's just another story off track, but there's a lady who re rehands Brumbies who's done a few clinics with me and, and there's another kind of establishment who gets people to come and buy a Brumby after five or so, after a week of working with it. And these Brumbies, when I looked at the photos, they're all in yards and they're kind of a bit skinny and they're looking a bit sort of glum looking and I can tell that they're in a factory environment before they even go into that training program by the way they're yarded and stuff like that. And these are wild brumbies for anyone yeah, outside. And Australia, then, these are wild horses that have been brought in from our national parks. Yeah, and so so basically they're brought into this manufactured environment, fed, probably underfed a bit, still on the sort of, you know, not not fresh horses. So, so anyway, um, this brumby that this person, you know, they apparently started it over seven days, you know, could, could ride it and stuff like that. They bought this Brumby home and obviously this is only seven days and you bought a bomb-proof horse, but it's just an example of what ends up happening when everything changes. So basically, because this was originally a wild horse, apparently it wasn't castrated properly, so it still had, still had one testicle inside. Um, so in about two weeks of being on good pasture in a big herd, it started just jumping fences, got into the next door neighbor's warm blood stud, started mounting warm blood mares, and just went wherever it wants, just jump fences, went wherever it wants. It just went full on rogue um, from this kind of quiet shut, or seemingly quiet, but shut down horse that was in sort of, as I say, manufactured cattle yard, yard environment to flooding education. Then suddenly got full of feed, full of energy again, and just became fully wild again. So I guess telling you that story, it just, yeah, I think it's all environmental and the lack of, understanding to pressure and the horse might be robotic in its lunging and stuff like that um, but but when presented with real-time situations real, real situations that they have to think through and, um, and and as I say your horse has to be adjustable so in all the education what you're doing uh, to assess her is can you let go of that so interrupt that horse halfway through something that's already been taught so maybe say trot and it trots and then interrupt it with something else and that usually tells you where your horse is at by interrupting it all the time to see if it can cope with interruptions opposed to a horse that is um robotically programmed to certain cues so you could do that from the ground where it's safe for you to do that yep okay yep. can you maybe just steer tara and anyone else listening to this to some videos that would really help her on you know where to begin oh <laughs> I could steer you to all of them starting a horse, really. <laughs> the, so go back to the beginning. I'd go back to the beginning. Yeah. I'd work I'd work how she leads, yeah. test the leading because I, the reason I always go back, well, a few things is I'm going to talk about leading, but there's also a lot of connections. She might be a little bit disconnected with people or she could be a really friendly horse. 
but basically go back to leading. You know, you find a lot of so so a rearing horse is obviously feeling trapped and it bucks and rears and things like that. So I could, it would go back to all the tactile pressures that I put on a horse, like pull, can you come forward? Push, can you go backwards? Come quickly forward, go quickly backwards. Not moving any body language, not not any voice cues, and just see if that horse gets all bracy and goes, I don't know what to do. And I'll guarantee in a lot of horses you'll find a lot of brace in the leading and that, that will lead you to understanding that, crikey, when I pull on the reins when I'm riding, that brace is going to be there and that conflict where the horse braces all through and tries to fight. So tip a whole bunch of, you know, horses cantering past emotions and I'm worried about being outside in the open into that brace and you've got a potential buck or rear. Yeah. Okay. So back to the beginning. Of course, we've got a whole load of videos on what you can do to uh, assess your horse from the beginning in a section. And then there's always the leading, different series of leading videos as well on the online membership. And I think, Tari, just keep us posted with her. You know, as you get to one level, you see something, not quite sure about it, raises a question. Just get in touch with us. That's what we're here for. All right, we've got a second question that's also about uh, rearing, and it's from Bianca. Um, she's got a horse, Floss, who she brings regularly to your clinics, um, and she has reared under saddle uh, for the first time, and Bianca came off, landed on her feet. Uh, amazing, Bianca. I'm so glad you didn't get hurt. Um, and she'd like to know how they can continue. What specific education does Floss need? You know Floss, Mark. So a little bit more specific information. Is it a completely different scenario? Um, what does she need to do? Just really briefly. Okay, so knowing Floss, just a quick thing about Floss. Is Floss is a, a racehorse, I believe, that under pressure when I first met her, you, you know, very brace, very willing to, to push back rear up to pressure all that sort of stuff and you know it it she was almost in conflict with pressure when any pressure was put on her head or anything like that even leg pressure was very bracy um so a lot of the work that i was helping bianca with was was about getting her to soften to lead pressure and the last clinic i recall troubling floss and then saying follow the field troubling floss follow the field leading your head down leading forwards backwards until she could go that's external pressure I can trust this rain. And and I know that you would have been working on it too, Bianca. And she's a tricky mare because there's a lot of old anxiety in there from the past and she she can buy into lots of things that are happening. So the fact that you land on your feet, that's wonderful. Um, there is a glitch in there somewhere. And I believe it's still in her, with her um, coping mechanisms in the sense of able to cope with external pressure because you've got to remember she buys into a lot of other things that's happening around her and then when she's interrupted from that, it can, like through the feel of a rain or anything, it can be quite a conflict to her. So she still goes through that process of going, oh, do I need to worry about that? I'm in danger. Or oh, here's pressure, human pressure, because I think, as I say, in the past human pressure has been something that, that troubled her quite a lot. So she's still going to revert back sometimes to like, oh, no, here's a trap, I'm out. Okay, so I'm, I'm guessing what I'm thinking what, what I would be looking at is I would still be doing a lot of creating a stimulant that distracts her, uh, gets her a little concerned. It could be pop a flag over there or do something that makes her go, oh, no, what have I got to do? And then take up the feel and get her to lead. And I would, like, I would be careful of getting in a, a rhythm with her 
as as people we get in a rhythm with our horses in the last two or three clinics i've been saying to various riders that i know their horses over time i've been working with them i say you're doing all the things i'm asking but you're so predictable that the horse knows how long it can brace for or how long it can hold a hard thought for and i said sometimes you might want to hurry up so the horse goes i didn't expect that um because uh these horses are sort of they're, yeah they're hanging on to their thought just enough because of our rhythm and everyone has a certain speed they pick up on a rein, a certain rhythm, especially when you're working around a nervous horse and one that can be quite dangerous in the sense you know there's something in there. We can get in a fairly calm rhythm and we're doing the things that I might have told you to do, you know, you know, follow or feel all this. But I would I would start to still be a person that can sort of create a, a change in her environment that causes a conflict and then you very quickly say, now come along and follow this and continue to get her to follow this until she softens. And it could be just follow this lead rope down and bring your head down and go forward or backwards. And, and I will be constantly just creating those little environmental spooks that cause uh, that tension in her and then very quickly take that tension out of her through the feel of a rain uh, or the things that you're going to guide her with and keep that in her so uh, keep doing that until you almost can't find that that explosiveness in her until she starts to really get confident about coping with the external pressures and 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 being very trusting in the pressure that you apply through the, your feel and the feel of your legs and the feel of the reins all that sort of stuff super thank you very much mark i hope that really helps and to anyone else that's listening out there i hope that offered some insights for you thanks mark Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Jenny. Just imagine how much you could learn from Mark and his unique perception. He's been developing training that turns many of the standard horsemanship approaches on their heads for decades and to great benefit for all. Online training videos available now. MarkLangley.com.au